Welcome to Persisters, an all-female live show and podcast hosted by Beth Rowe and produced by Alex Kern. Each week we'll play you a piece from our live show followed by an interview between the performer and us. Beth and Alex. Please subscribe to our podcast on iTunes and follow us on Instagram at PersistersLA. This week we have TV and magazine writer, author, and theatrical funny woman, Judy Sadowski. Perfect, thank you. Okay, so in the interest of full disclosure, I am neither an immigrant nor gay, but I am the very proud mother of a beautiful gay daughter. And so when I heard the topic, identity, I thought, do I want to identify as an old white Jewish woman? No. (laughs) So I am going to read from my book um, how I identify as a very fearful flyer. Come fly with me. As a child of an alcoholic mother, I vowed when I came of age to never drink. In college, I had an occasional beer just to be one of the guys, but I never enjoyed it. After I was married and considered myself an adult, I would have a glass or two of wine at a dinner party, but alcohol was never a big part of my life. As a child, I never understood why my mother drank. Today, I know she was self-medicating. Today, she might have been on Prozac instead of Smirnoff's, but it wasn't until I experienced a really turbulent flight over the Atlantic that I discovered the true wonders of vodka. (laughs) My children were young, and I had left them home to go on some adventure in Europe. As the plane pitched and bucked over the dark and endless ocean, I was terrified, picturing myself dead in a watery grave and my children motherless. Drink this, the flight attendant suggested, handing me a vodka tonic. It'll help with the panic. I drank it, and then I drank another, and then I drank a third. By the end of the last drink, my fear had subsided to the point that I turned to my seatmate and observed, who cares if this plane crashes? (laughs) After all, it's not our plane. From that flight on, I became a frightened flyer and a serious drinker in the sky. I would order myself a fresh drink each time the seatbelt sign clashed on. I created a ritual for myself. Every time I boarded a plane, I would place my purse and carry-on luggage on my seat and elbow my way back up the aisle, swimming against the stream of boarding passengers to the cockpit. Once there, I would introduce myself to the pilots and ask how the weather was on our route and if there was any red on the radar. As soon as they were comfortable with me, I would ask them if they were happily married, had they fought with their spouses or significant others that day, and did they have financial problems, drinking problems, or were they, I don't know, perhaps suicidal. You know, just making conversation. On departing the cockpit, I also begged them to please let me know at any point during the flight if we were going to die. (laughs) I cannot tell you how many times during a flight the pilot has gotten on the intercom and announced, sorry folks, we seem to be hitting a bit of turbulence. We should be out of it in about 20 minutes. It's okay, Judy, you'll be fine. (laughs) Everyone's head would swivel around wondering who the hell Judy was. I was flying home from Ecuador on some no-name airline. The plane itself had seen much better days, and no members of the crew were wearing matching uniforms. The pilots grinned at me while I put them through the drill, but I had the distinct impression that they did not speak one word of English, the international language for airline pilots. The flight attendants did not bother to be seated, much less extinguish their cigarettes as they walked up and down the aisles during takeoff. Marisol, our flight attendant, was only too happy to keep the vodka flowing my way, especially after I mentioned to her that the plane seemed to be flying perilously close to the ground, and didn't she think it was strange that I could see into the windows of apartments on the fifth floor of a high-rise apartment building? (laughs) No problem, no problem, she laughed, pouring me another drink when I asked her what that strange chug-chugging sound coming from the engines meant. By the time we landed in Miami, I was drunk. 
I barely had enough time to make it onto my connecting flight to New York. And as soon as I boarded the plane and fastened my seatbelt, I realized that I hadn't introduced myself to the pilot. <laughs> Bad omen. I tried to explain my situation to Lance, our very gay flight attendant, but he told me it was too late. We were taking off. Forty minutes into the flight, we hit a thunderstorm. This was not just a run-of-the-mill thunderstorm. This was the mother of all thunderstorms, complete with flashing lightning and booming thunderclaps so powerful they could be heard over the sound of the engines. Clutching the armrests, I turned in panic to my seatmate. I thought planes don't fly through thunderstorms. Unfortunately, the occupant of seat 4B was too busy working her rosary to stop and chat. <laughs> I glanced up and made eye contact with Lance just as the pilot came on the intercom. Flight attendants, please take your seats. Now, I'm no Amelia Earhart, but I know enough to know that when the pilot asks the flight attendants to take their seats, that that is not a good sign. Just as Lance was about to buckle up, he somehow must have sensed that I was on my way to losing it. Worried, I'm sure, that an already half-drunk, terrified woman could potentially cause more problems than a direct hit from a lightning bolt, he got out of his seat and grabbed a handful of vodka bottles. On an airplane, a handful of vodka bottles amounts to three. <laughs> Hanging onto the overhead bins to balance himself against the bouncing plane, he dropped the bottles in my lap. No tonic, I asked. <laughs> I unscrewed those little suckers and drank them down. One, two, three. By the time we had flown out of the storm 20 minutes later, I was not only calm, I was bordering on euphoric. I was halfway through singing the entire score of West Side Story when Lance came to my seat to let me know we'd be landing soon and perhaps I'd like to freshen up. At that moment, I'm sure he must have felt a bit guilty for nearly inducing alcohol poisoning in a passenger just to shut her up. I wove my way to the restroom, locked the door, took one look in the mirror, and nearly fainted. My hair was stuck to the side of my head. My makeup, or what was left of it, was smeared all over my face. My skin was red and blotchy. My eyes were bloodshot. When I emerged from the bathroom, I said to Lance, Oh, my God, when I get to New York, I'm going to have to spend a week at Elizabeth Arden's. Without missing a beat, Lance replied, Honey, I was thinking more like Betty Ford. <laughs> Hello. Welcome back to Persisters. We're here today with Judy Sadowski. Thank you for being here. Oh, thank you for having me. Um, we, uh, we're here on this very, 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 very hot day. It's currently... 98, 104, where are we? 112. 112, yeah. yes. 112. It's 112? No, 98. 98. Feels like... <laughs> but the wind chill. Fire. Right. <laughs> With the wind chill, it's, you're on fire. Right. <laughs> That's funny. So, Judy, you came to us by way of Paula Rudnick. That's true. Uh, you both are in a writer's group yes. that's been together for 15, no, Maybe how much 18. longer? 18 years? Maybe. That is yeah. incredible. Tell yeah. us everything about that. It's it's amazing a group of women mm -hmm. who are really talented, and we've been meeting every Tuesday um, for years and years and years, and we write our stories, mostly wow. memoir. Um, Paula started doing poetry in the last couple of years, but generally speaking, most of the time and most of the people, and it's amazing. We've been through every kind of situation together you can imagine wow. as writers mm -hmm. and, mm -hmm. of course, friends. Um, so, And my book came out of that, and there are two other books that are coming out of that room wow. as well. That's yeah. so cool. How did you all find each other? Um, we all at different times were in a writing group with a woman named Nancy Bacall who was kind of legendary. Two people found each other, and then we were in different different groups of hers, but we all kind of knew people who knew each other, and so we started. That's how it started. That's great. When now, when I, um, so you, you get together, you... We eat. Uh-huh. <laughs> we meet at 10.30. We have tea and snacks, 
uh, till about 11, 11.15. Then we meditate for 15 minutes. Oh, well, I really... pretend to meditate, but I'm the timekeeper. So I hey, turn my phone good. on. And, and then somebody will read a poem or will show a photograph or some sort of prompt, which... That no one, it's not a photograph that somebody's taken, it's something they've No, found. or there's something in a magazine, or a, usually a poem in the last few years, because it's easy, we have books of poetry lying around, right. but whatever that sort of inspires you, or not, sometimes, I know for myself, I can't speak for anyone else, but sometimes I come in, or I wake up, or I've been, there's been an idea in my head for a day or 2 Mm-hmm that I just know is going to come out on the page. Because I never know what's going to come out on the page. Sure. Um, so that's the exciting part. You, so there's a different prompt every time. Yes. And it's kind of write whatever this makes you think of. Yeah. Or and, not. Or not. And then we write for about an hour, and then we read. We each read. Okay. And we critique each other very lovingly. Yeah. How do you, how do, you do it lovingly? What's the secret? Is it a lot of positivity? Is it a lot of... Well, I mean, I think the... the I'm just thinking of one person in particular where she used to write a lot about... Whatever she would write about, she took herself out of it, and it was more like reporting than... Oh, than then. So we would say, or one of us would say, you know, it was a great... I love that part, and I love that that structure when you said this and this but I felt like you weren't really in and when you went into that part I felt distanced it didn't I, I don't know you just do it in a way you don't say boy that shit right. and actually nobody they're amazing writers so mm-hmm. it's really hard to yeah to have or we'll say you know that that's a bigger story you know right. you mm. should or you should submit that we do that about once a month yeah Nobody listens, but you should send that to the New Yorker. Um, So it's that kind of thing. But it's very supportive. It's really, I like to think of it as sort of a gymnasium for writing. It's like a working out. Yeah. Mm. And how many women are in it? Currently, there's six. Wait, one, two, three, four. Yeah, six. And, And do you write other days of the week besides Tuesday? I do. Yeah. But probably other people, it may not be the same for other Sometimes, people. Sometimes, and you know, I'm not as good as I used to be about it. And um, it depends if I'm working, like I'm working on a show now, a new show. So I'm writing every day. But what kind of a show? I did a one woman show based on some of the stories from my book. Amazing. Ooh, tell me everything. Things My Mother Never Told Me. Cool. Oh, you At the Rogue this? Machine Theater, right? At the right? Rogue Machine Theater. You mean this book? There's um, you read about. Yeah, well, the, <laughs> and the, it's my it's life the is beginning. an open book, yes. <laughs> because it's in a book. Um, yeah, that's a cool theater to be affiliated with. Well, I wasn't affiliated in um, Truth Be Told. They hold a thing once a month called Rant and Rave, kind of like what you all do. Yeah. Hmm. And so they invite... Um, six people, and they give them a topic. But what they do is they have you submit your work prior to oh, the evening, to be, yeah. and they edit it with you. And oh, they, wow. It was actually, it was very helpful. This cool. woman, her name is Roxanne, Roxy Hart, Roxanne Hart. She's an actress, and she worked... That is so She wait. was also in the it, musical it, Chicago. Chicago. Yes, I was exactly. Like, when I read that in your book, I was like, I know that name. Yeah. Who is that? She, no, she's, <laughs> I saw her at the Pasadena Post. She's an amazing actress. Wow. But she's a wonderful writer and editor. At any rate, so a friend of ours had done this night, and we went to see him, and he introduced me to her, and he said, oh, Judy's a really good writer. You should have her do a thing. Anyway, she got in touch with me, and she... Gave me the subject, and I wrote a piece, and I sent it to her, and she worked on it with me a little bit, and then I did it. And the night that I did it, uh, there were, I think, seven of us. Penny Pizer, I don't know if she... Mm -mm. Anyway, some actors, a couple of writers, and whatever. And I did this piece, and I was so stupid, and and the guy kept saying, we're going to... We're going to do this for the podcast, so the microphone is really for the podcast. And I was Same like, I did, said, yeah. okay, but just, could you just make me look really young? 
Okay, because I had never heard of a <laughs> podcast before. Anyway, um, so I did my piece, and it was a funny piece. And at the end, I think it was the piece I did the other night. That was great. The yeah, audience, everyone's already heard it. Everyone's heard it because it, we, we play that and then go straight into this. Oh, you're kidding. Well, I, and I only did that because I realized that the topic was not what I was going for. I was not planning to do that piece when I that's came so into funny. the room, but that's another story. Anyway, so after, the, after I did my piece, this woman came up to me, this wild, gray-haired ballerina type came up to me and she said, oh my God, you're fabulous. Have you ever considered doing a one-woman show? And I lied and said no. But I, <laughs> <laughs> I was always that little girl with the hairbrush in front sure. of me. Yeah. So she said, well, you should do it. You've got it, kid. You know. And I went, okay, I'll do it. How hard could it be? So about three weeks later, she called me and she said, how's it going? And I went, this is really hard. Yeah. And she said, okay, I'll be over. And I met with her once a week for about two and a half months, three wow. months, and we put together a show. Cool. And she produced it, and I did it, and I said, okay, I'm going to do it once for my kids and my friends and just get yeah. it out of my system. I did it at the Rogue Machine. Mm-hmm. And wow. so it sold out, and then it sold out again, and then people were calling and going, well, I heard you, you know, can blah, blah, blah. So I did it a third time, and then I did it as a... Um, a fundraiser for some charity had asked me to do it. And then I was like complete with the experience. I had done it. It was amazing. And my husband and I were in New York. We were in the airport and I got a call and this guy said, hi, Judy, this is David Maurer. I'm a producer and I want to bring your show to Edinburgh to the Fringe Festival. What? Oh my gosh. And I was like, who is this? <laughs> and he said, no, I'm serious. And I said to my husband, who's so game and so supportive, would you go to Edinburgh with me for three and a half weeks? And he went, yeah, sure, let's Uh. do it. So I called the guy back and I said, yes, but please let me know the dates because we have to get room, you know, accommodations and stuff. And the the Fringe is 700 venues going 24 hours a day, seven days a week, so getting a room is not easy. And he said, no, 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 I have, um, I'm bringing over... Six shows, and I'm housing all the artists. So you will have. A, so I was wow. like, "Wow, well, Wait, so that's that, cool. this is for August. This August. La- no, this was three Last, years ago. Okay. Oh, wow! So cool. we get there, and the thespian housing was a fifth floor walk up. Mm. There were ten of us. Eight of us were in our thirties, and uh, two bathrooms. And my husband and I were in this teeny tiny, because we were the last ones to arrive, this itty bitty little room with like, it wasn't quite a double. I called it a twibble. It was sort of a cross between a twin and a double. And it was um, an attic room, so Howard could only stand in the very middle of the room. Anyway, so we got into bed that night, and I felt terrible, because he was there for me, and this was really crappy. And I said to him, you know what, honey, tomorrow... We'll go. We'll find someplace else to stay. And he said, "Okay, thank you." You know, and he got up in the middle of the night to go to the bathroom, and one of the gorgeous thirty-something actresses was coming out with a little towel, and he went, "Maybe we'll stay." (laughs) 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 And we stayed. Wow! And we had the best time of our lives. And in two weeks, we are flying to Scotland to the wedding of one of our flatmates who met and fell in love with a man that. That time when we were all there and oh, the Edinburgh wow. Eight, as we call ourselves, they're all working actors. They've all been on Twin Peaks and Matt Lillard. I don't know if you know yeah. him. Yeah. Well, he has a show now. So we're, we've all become really good friends. They show up at our birthday parties. And, oh, my gosh. Oh, that's I so love nice. that. It was the best. It was How the did best. the show go? The show was amazing. I was very worried because, you know, I'm a nice Jewish girl from New York, and I'm thinking, what are these people from all over the world? Are they going to get it? Mm-hmm. You know, it's such a whiny, not, not whiny, but, you know, it's, and um, after every show, people came up to me, because it's a tiny little theater, they, it's not like this, back, um, and said, oh, my God, you know, my, my father was an alcoholic, or I'm Catholic, and my mother didn't want me to marry my husband, he's Protestant, or whatever the universal stories are. That was such a lesson for me. And then opening night uh, was my 70th birthday. And the 
all our flatmates gave me a surprise party in our little pub where we hung out the Queen's Arms. And I said to Howard, if this is 70, you know, bring it on. Because I was dreading 70. Yeah, cool. I kind of thought that was the end. Huh. So now I'm doing a new show. <gasps> That's so great. I love it. Wait, I want to hear a little bit more about Edinburgh before we move okay, on. Okay, yes, Sorry. please. Um, how long was, resh- was your show? And was it kind of what was, were you on stage? Like, how, how what, what was it like? It's all about me. Right. I mean, I know that. <laughs> so basically. As she tosses her hair right, back. Flipping my hair. Um, it was basically the story of growing up um, Jewish princess red diaper baby. You know, I had this. What very, does red diaper baby mean? Um, my parents, my aunts, uncles were all communists and left. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Wow. So it was a really very artsy. Great. And yet. My mother, you know, really, we lived in a place called the Five Towns in New York, which is somewhat like Beverly Hills. Oh, wow. Okay. So there was this sort of schizophrenic, like, I, I wanted to march in the Labor Day parade to support the workers, but I had to get my hair cut at Kenneth, which was the really fancy, where Jackie, Jackie O got her hair cut. Yeah. It was that, oh, wow. So I had this very schizophrenic. Wow. So it was kind of the story of, of growing up. And I was sitting at my parents' dining room table. I had a whole table with candles and flowers and everything. And there was a crumpled brown paper bag on the table. And I kept pulling stories out of the bag and reading them. And at the very end, you discover that my mother never thought I was any good at anything, that I, she never complimented me, whatever. And when she died, I discovered that she had kept every word I had ever written hidden away uh. in a brown paper bag. And it was like, yeah. <laughs> I'm not crying. <laughs> you're not. Uh, you're no, crying. Yeah, I'm no, crying. Ah, uh, that's that's so anyway, sweet. Wait, whoa. so what part of New York was that, or is that that you grew up in? What, what was the street? Long Island. Oh, you were in Long Island. Okay. okay. And but because my parents were really New Yorkers, every weekend of my life. I was in New York, in Manhattan. Right. Uh, and then the day I graduated, <coughs> excuse me, high school, they moved back to Manhattan. Oh, yeah. That's my, my parents are similar, but instead of Manhattan, it's Massachusetts. Yeah. But yeah. Same thing. <coughs> same thing. It's M. It's M. an M it's word. It's an M. That's funny. My, my, one of my really good friends from college, she's from Long Island, and she's like the most Manhattan-y Manhattan nights I could think of because yeah. she spent every minute that she could in the city in the weekends. Well, it was so close, you know, it was so close. And also, you know, I've I've been in California now 48 years or 49 years, something like that. I have to stop complaining. But it's, there's, everything is so much more accessible in Manhattan. It's not that it's not here, here. It's not that there's not great theater or great art or music or whatever. It's just harder Mm-hmm. to get to. It's just sure. more spread out. Yes, and as a kid, I mean, by the time I was 13, you know, I was taking the subways, I was going, I was saying to someone the other day, when it was freezing cold, we would go to the Metropolitan Museum to hang out because it wow. was free. Right. Wow. So with just a whole gang of us. That's unbelievable. Because we had to be inside, and everyone lived in apartments, even though they were nice and they were beautiful. You didn't want to hang out with your parents. Yeah. Um, so it's like how people want to go to malls here. Yeah, there's exactly. AC exactly. Not, yeah. It's like, I got to see the Giacometti's. Right. Guys, I'm freezing. Let's go. At, at the gallery. <laughs> <laughs> right. Wow. Explain your writing career. You started off working at... I started off when I moved... To California, to Los Angeles, uh-huh. I had a baby. Mm-hmm. I was very young. Okay. I was 25. Okay. Oh, wow. Practically an unwed mother, but not. Oh. Um, it doesn't seem, it didn't seem young then. It seems really young now. And I was pregnant with my second child when I met this woman at, I was doing volunteer work for KPFK, the listener sponsored mm. radio. Mm-hmm. And I met this woman who was doing a radio show. And she asked me to be interviewed because she was um, interviewing all different women from all different walks of life, um, prostitutes and working. And she needed a pregnant woman. And I was obviously pregnant. And so we had this interview on the radio and then we kind of bonded and she we had lunch and 
she said she was a writer, and I said, well, I, you know, I like to think of myself as a writer. And she said, well, why don't we write a script together? I said, okay. I didn't know what she was talking about, but I was like, okay, it's Hollywood. I'll write a script. <laughs> so she said, I can get a copy of a, a sitcom script. So I said, all right. So we got this copy, and we wrote this script for Maud. It was a TV show with B. Arthur. Okay. And it was a very popular TV show. And we wrote the script. And then I said, okay, now what do we do with it? And she said, I don't know. Well, let's call the production company that was doing it, which was Norman Lear's production company at the time. It was called Tandem. And he was the hottest. I mean, he had 10 shows on the air. So we called up and we said, who would we speak to about selling a script? We're so stupid. And they said, oh, I don't know. That's Al Burton's office. So we hung up and we called back. And I said, hi, can I be connected to Al Burton's office? And they said, yes. And this girl answered the phone. She was a temp. Oh, my gosh. And I said, hi, uh, this is Judy Sadowski. I'd like to make an appointment to uh, see Mr. Burton. And she went, okay, how's Tuesday at 4? Oh, my. But we didn't know that it doesn't work like that because we didn't know. Sure. So I'd like to make an appointment. Oh we my take God. ourselves up to his office and we walk in with our script and we he has no idea who we are or why we're there. And we went, hi, you know, we're here and we've written this script. And, um, Maud was, was married and she was a feminist back in the 70s. This was very earth-shattering, this show. And yeah. so this... Um, script was about her husband going to a men's consciousness raising group. And okay. so we tell him the whole story and he says to us, well, okay, you don't come here first. He said, you have to go write for like I Dream of Jeannie, which was a lesser, you know, uh-huh. you don't come to tandem productions <laughs> without an agent, without, right, and, and he said, that's like a, some kid going to Walter O'Malley, who ran the Dodgers at the time, and saying, uh, let me in, I can hit. Right. He said, he said, but you're here, so I'll read it. So we were like, oh, thank you so much. And I, still being really stupid, said, okay, but listen, I just want you to know that I'm going away with my husband to Paris for two weeks, so don't call, don't call while I'm going. Seriously, I'm, I, I, to this day That's I blush. so amazing. Anyway, oh he called gosh. us. Oh, I sent him a postcard from Paris. That was That's smart. actually smart. You Very know what? There had, there had been a terrorist. They took people hostage in, in the airport, the Orly Airport, mm. uh, or Charles de Gaulle, whatever. And so I sent him a postcard saying I was being held hostage in, in the airport. Uh, seriously, when you're stupid, sometimes good things yeah, happen. Absolutely. Anyway, he called us. He loved us. He got us an agent. Oh, my God. Um, I love this. And we wrote a couple of things that didn't sell. And then my writing partner went insane and ended up in Camarillo. What's Camarillo? It's a mental institution. Really? Yeah. And so... uh, And I had very young kids at the time, and I thought, okay, this is like the universe telling me that I'm not going to be a TV writer. So I stopped, and I started writing uh, for, you girls aren't going to know what this is either, Photoplay magazine, which was like the people magazine of its day. Okay. And I did celebrity interviews for them. Who did you interview? I, oh, you're going to be really impressed. Um, Any to- Tony Orlando, mm. not Dawn. Okay, oh. I'm really old. These names oh, don't mean anything. Charo, do you remember Charo? No, Gucci, Gucci. Okay, I, um, George Siegel. Yes, <laughs> yeah, you know him. He lives right up the block. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, anyway, and then George Washington. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've heard of yeah. him. Anyway, so I did these celebrity interviews, and through that, I met somebody, and I wrote a game show. Oh, cool. And I took it to NBC, and they said, oh, we don't produce our own game shows, but you should go to Goodson Todman, who was the big 
um, game show producers at so the time. So you called and made an appointment? So I called and made an appointment. <laughs> Hi, is Mr. Goodson in? Yeah, Jonathan Goodson, actually. Oh, right, okay. And he said, well, we don't want it, but would you consider taking a job here, writing a game show? What? And they were going to pay me, okay, hold your horses, $500 a week. Okay. That was a lot of money. You know what? Yes, I, w- I, I, I would take a $500 a week writing job <laughs> right now. Why not? Yeah. Yeah, it was. So I did that. Um, it was the show was called Card Sharks. Cool. And one of and the the theme was it was uh, twenty one. They put the cards up, and you had to answer a question in order to flip over a card, and then you'd say higher or lower the cards. And the questions were things like um, we would pull people. So we pulled 100 women over 40. This was one of my greatest hits. Do you have a better chance of looking 20 with a bag over your head or a bag over your body? That was one. And we actually pulled people. And then we did one where we pulled dog owners. Uh, Do you let your dog see you in the nude? Like how many people? What percentage? And then we did um, (laughs) nudists. Mm -hmm. But we had interns that, that did the polling but Jonathan, who was my age, um, said that they couldn't send the interns to the nudist colony, so we were going to have to go. Oh, my gosh. This was the Treehouse Fun Ranch out in San Bernardino, Pasadena, uh, wow. uh, San Bernardino, California, out in the desert. So, of course, Howard, the husband who's game for anything, says, I'm going. <laughs> <laughs> I already love Howard. Oh, yeah. love I mean, him. I met Howard the He's other. fabulous. Yeah. He's the best. And... So we pull up and in this parking lot in the middle of the desert, and this woman comes running out. She's got a head full of curlers, tennis shoes, that's it. Breasts flapping in the breeze. Park over here, park over here. Howard's already disrobing. (laughs) And I'm like, okay, I was young. I had a good body. I'm going to do this. And he said, what are you doing? I said, I'm taking my clothes off. He said, you have to go to work on Monday. He said, you want to go to work with these people after they see you naked? I was like... All right. So I'm like the only person in the entire Treehouse Fun Ranch in a bathing suit. Yeah. My boss was in tennis shoes and a Lacoste shirt because he burns, but yeah. no bottoms. No bottoms. So you saw his... So bottom. his bits and parts are hanging wow, out. Okay. <laughs> and they had the uh, buff divers, these people who, who naked dove, sky dove naked out of planes. And then they had the Miss Nude America contest. And we pulled people and I'm sitting in a van in the middle of the desert with three naked men the producer assistant producer my husband getting stoned you can take that out if I'm gonna oh it's legal now getting stoned and I'm thinking what there's something wrong with this picture it's like three naked men anyway um so I did that and then after that what did I do after that I did a lot of um magazine work and just kind of here and there, people asked me to write. Oh, I did. I This was good. So Billy Barty was a midget. He was a very famous little person, I guess they're called now. And um, I was asked to do an interview with him, and I didn't know who he was. And I had stopped on the, on the lot that I was at where they were filming his show, a friend of mine was working there. So I went to see him, and I said, listen, I don't know who who Billy Barty is. I'm going to walk on the set. And he said, oh, he's he's the little one. You'll know him. He's the little one. So I walk on the set, and there's like 400 midgets in this set. Anyway, so I finally find him and I'm interviewing him and he's complaining because he's never on Johnny Carson and he's never, you know, people. Hmm. And I said to him, you know what you need? You need a gimmick. (laughs) And he looked at me and I was like, I'm so embarrassed. Don't ever make me do this again. Anyway, that was, I wasn't very good at that. Um, That's funny. Did he get a gimmick? No, he never got a gimmick. Mm. He he never got on Johnny Carson. No, he never got on, but he worked. That's good. He was like a famous small person. I've had a very erratic career, let's put it that way. Yeah. What do your kids do? So my daughter is an artist, uh-huh. an excellent artist. What kind Great. of art? It's um, mixed media. Oh. She does um, 
found, like she'll find a, an old toolbox and then she'll mm. take photographs and then she'll put in lighting. And I mean, they're beautiful. Wow. She's really talented. But she also cool. works in real estate because she right. likes to eat. And my yeah. son has a company called Syn Labs, S-Y-Y-N Labs. And he creates, um, oh, do you know the, the uh, rock group OK Go? No, but that means nothing. I don't know a lot of music stuff. Me neither. Okay, like well, he, he built a Rube Goldberg machine for one of their videos. It's gotten 58 million hits. Wow. And it's won all kinds of awards. He builds and creates um, installations for commercials and videos, and he also oh, wow. directs commercials. So oh, it's like cool. two very creative children. Yes. Wow. Yeah. Is your husband creative? Yes, my husband, fortunately, earns a living, but he um, is also an amazing artist and the best chef ever in the home. Really? Home chef. We he we did a dinner, and we're also looking forward to our invitation to yes. dinner now. Okay, so, well, yeah. he did a you dinner know. for LACMA, the museum. Yeah, mm. and we had fifty people, and it was. On the um, Sunday New York Times style section. What? Full page with photos. He's amazing. He wow. made all amazing. the food for all the, the event? Food. All the food. What? He, how he, does he know how to cook? He, well, he married me. It was desperation time. He's so, <laughs> so good. Funny. He can tell you what the people sitting next to us in Paris 25 years ago ate and recreate it. Wow. What? Every kind of food you Who can think of. Who is your husband? And beautiful. I, I'll show you my phone. I take pictures of our regular dinners, just he and I, because everything he does is... So you don't do... You don't cook? No. Yeah. How did you guys meet? Um, it was my first day of freshman orientation. <gasps> no. Where did you go to school? Monmouth College. Okay. It's Monmouth University now, but okay. it's Monmouth College. And he uh, was a senior... And he came down to sort of check out Ooh. the new crop. <laughs> the new meat, the fresh meat. <laughs> and we started talking, and it was freezing, and he drove me back to my dorm to get socks. And then he said, do you want to see my fraternity house? And I went, yeah. And oh he took God. me to his fraternity house. It was this big old Victorian mansion. And he said, do you want to see my room? And I went, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so we went up, and then... And he said, do you want to see my girlfriend? And I was like, oh, shit, because I really liked him. And he yeah. took out a, a picture of a, uh, a poster of the Mona Lisa, was traveling to New York. They had just brought it over from the... Yeah. Anyway. Oh, my God. He took me back to the dorm, and I let him kiss me goodnight, which in 1963 was like, whore. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was a whore. There's the second person on our podcast to say whore. Oh, really? Oh, wow. Yeah. Speed the weather. <laughs> and then whore. I called my mother and I said, I just met the man I'm going to marry. And she said to me, is he Jewish? And I said, I don't know. Well, what does his father do for a living? I swear to God, I don't know. What's his last name? I, I don't know, know, but I kissed him. Oh. So then we dated for three months and then he broke up with me. <sighs> Heartbreaking. And then at uh, the end of the summer, I went down to school to find housing because we were allowed to live off campus sophomore year. I was with my girlfriend, and I ran into him, and he asked me out, and I said, I can't. I have a date, and I have a date for my girlfriend. And so he sat in the dorm all day and said, just said, break your date, break your date, break your date, break your date. And I said, okay, but you have to take both of us out, which he did. And then that was it. We got married two years later. Wow. wow. 52 years. You've been together wow. for 52 years? It's Holy incredible. smokes. I know. What's the secret to staying together? <laughs> A sense of humor. Okay. <laughs> Compromise. Yeah. I don't know. You have to know that sometimes you're going to hate each other and it's okay. Sure. Yeah. That, that's, that's one that's of the, the pieces in my new show. That you're going to hate oh, each yeah. other, and Can that's okay. Can you tell okay. us anything about your new show? My new show is called "I'm I'm Too Old to Die Young." <laughs> that's <laughs> so funny, and it's going to be something that people have asked me to do, which I've always been hesitant to do. Was my 
original show opened up with me behind a closed door and I'm pounding on the door and pounding on the door and I come out and I speak for about 10 minutes explaining why I was behind the door and how whatever. And then I broke my hand pounding on the door so we stopped doing it and I just did the show. A good friend of mine and my husband and my producer and a lot of other people said, you know, when you were up there just talking, we loved it. And we love your writing, and you're a brilliant writer. But you, but I'm very uncomfortable. I'm nervous about doing it, even though I could tell stories, as you can tell, all day long. <laughs> so this show, I will be doing a little speaking, sort of off the cuff, between each piece. Great. Sort of. And there's music and photos and stuff. So it's basically, it's not about my childhood. It's not about my mean mother or going to camp at five years old. None of that. It's mostly about this stage in my life. Mm-hmm. That's great. Cool. And it's going to be at the same theater? No, they moved. The okay. uh, machine moved. Um, we're trying to get either uh, the Odyssey on Sepulveda okay. or the Pico Playhouse. Oh, nice. Or something a little more west side, because that's kind of my demographic. Yeah. Like, you know what I loved? I know we're, we have to wrap up, but... Oh, no, I'm not going okay. anywhere. Um, <laughs> do you mind if I, I stop over? I told you I like the microphone. The microphone you know? is your friend. And the microphone likes you. Um, the introduction in your book, you were talking about um, when you knew you were a writer. Mm-hmm. I loved that so much, because... There's like zero reservation in you about what you do and that you are a writer. And that just like really hit me because that's something I've always struggled with. It's like I've always known I was a performer and a writer, but I've always been like, am I? Mm -hmm. And it's really incredible to have that belief in yourself at such a young age and let that carry you through your entire career. I thank you, and but I wish that I hadn't waited as long as I've waited to really act on it in mm. the way. So don't you wait and don't of feel that. I am waiting. But I'll tell yeah. you something. That was the piece I was reading the other night, and I rebooted when I got to um, Black Hat. Mm-hmm. And, oh right, and. Being the mother of a gay daughter, I should have known it was Gay Pride Month, not just Gay Pride Week. But everyone got up because the theme was identity, and the first girl got up, and she's, I look, I don't look gay, but I'm gay. You know, the cute, adorable blonde. And then the next one's like, I'm an immigrant, but I'm gay. And I'm going like, oh, how did I miss (laughs) gay? So I completely, a writer, I'm too embarrassed. I'm not going to identify. So I made that whole thing up when I got up there because I just couldn't go through with Oh no! But I had originally you had planned. A, you had a great rap in. I yeah, loved it. You were like, it, "I'm a." But I'm, that was not. I'm, I'm a I, Jewish woman from New York, right. and but my daughter's gay. Right. <laughs> Thank God, she's my ace card, my ace in the hole. So funny. Yeah, but I mean, the thing about even uh, we had, I mean, like, I well, the last show, the theme was investigation, and you were there, and I loved how. Paula was kind of just like, I'm going to read my poetry because I feel like all poetry is an investigation mm-hmm. of thought. And it, and that's like, and I feel like identity in its broad terms, like it doesn't have to be, pri- we, like we chose identity because it's Pride Month and, right. and we can celebrate that, but also not everybody that's going to be on our show is is a part of the LGBT community or but everyone's an ally. So it's, and it can be about that, but it can be about whatever. So I thought it was, you had a great rap in to tie it all um, to other to other people's work, but also the fact that like the identity is your identity. It doesn't matter right. what month it is or what time of year it is or what Completely. holiday it is. I, it's, I just felt like the oldest, straightest woman in the room. So tell just... me about it. <laughs> <laughs> we are in LA. So yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, what? So when is your show... When are you going to produce this show? When is it coming out? When We're aiming it? for um, sometime in the fall. Oh, great. Cool. Oh, so soon. And would you want to go to Edinburgh again? I, you know, it was such an amazing experience 
that it's hard to go back and try and replicate. Uh, doing the show was great because mm-hmm. I got to do it two or three. You know, some sure. days I did it twice, and you know, so yeah. the more you perform, the more you want to perform. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But the actual overall experience with these eight flatmates and everything was so amazing that I think if I went back and I didn't have that, it would be disappointing. Totally. You had like the most incredible experience. Was, why I try to top it. Yeah. It was un- unbelievable. It was just. I want to go so bad. What I like about you doing this piece about where you are in your life right now is because I don't think there's enough content out there for, um, like you said, the you're elderly. Getting, well, you're getting <laughs> right. into your seventies and I don't that's think there's fun. enough content. Well and there's, that's a majority of the people that consume content, I would say, yes. especially like theater and, and, uh, written articles and, I also because my parents are about to enter their seventies and they are doing whatever they want, mostly mm-hmm. for the first time in their lives. That's and I right. think that's a really exciting time in your life to be like, Okay, I've built this, I'm going to enjoy this. Well, I think what our generation is sort of been blessed with is for many of us that seventy is no longer a death sentence, you know, sure. where we're healthier, I'm knocking on wood, you know, we're more youthful, we're, you know, able to do things in a way. I mean, I, I always tell the story, my mother, when we would go shopping, if she couldn't park, like, within 20 feet of where we were going, we didn't go, you know, well, and I'm, what? like, hiking five miles, you know, yeah. so... Yeah. It's not that I'm an athlete. I don't pretend to be an athlete, but I'm in much better shape than my mother was at my age. Mm -hmm. And so we're living longer. Mm -hmm. And there's something about, you know, when I did the show and people kept saying to me, aren't you scared? And I used to say, you know, what are they going to do to me? What's the worst that can happen? Although I did say to my husband, what if I stink? He said, oh, he said, if you stink, we'll just move. That's so funny. Yeah, you have the time. You're fine. I mean, what can they do? They're not going to put me in jail. They're not going to take my children from me. I mean, so I flop. Yeah, right. It's different than when you're 30, when everything matters so much. I feel like every Mm. single day is like, this is the most important (laughs) moment of your life. That's what I feel like my 30s is Less so, though. Than in your 20s, right? That was just like in my, I felt like I, it was so much more in my face. I just feel like I was trying to catch up to just a, a livable way of life in my 20s. Just like, I can't keep doing this. I feel like at, like after every day, it was just like, I can't keep doing this. Yeah. Well, you know, having gotten married at 20 and having a child at 25. Well, you were 20 when you got married. Yeah. Wow. And another one at 29. Wow. Um, I didn't experience my 20s that way, obviously. Right. <laughs> but it was a whole other kind of um, difficult time. Sure. Because whatever it is you're doing in your 20s, you don't know what the fuck you're doing. Yeah. I mean, and, and I think with each decade, and for women in particular, you know, we all dread that next milestone birthday. For some reason, we think, oh, by 30, I should, right. by 40, you know, all the shoulds. And by the time, seriously, when I turned 50, it's a true story, I looked in the mirror and I went, okay, so this is my old face. I can live with it. It's not that bad. I mean, now I'm not a stupid woman, but somehow I believed that that was about as old as I was going to get, That's and not so not that I was going to die at fifty, but that I was never going to look any worse. I had <laughs> I had no idea that it just keeps going. Um, That's so funny. But by you know by seventy three, you just say whatever, whatever. It is what it is. My mom always told me because I didn't love high school. My mom didn't love high school, and um, and she always told me next year's better. Next year's better. It next year's better. She always said that. And it's true. And I think it's because she put that in my head. It's mm-hmm. like it just gets better. The older you get, just gets better. And actually when I was home um in June, my my aunts and uncles when like were talking about when was like their best decade. And so many of them said their forties. Yes. Mm, the forties is the best. Yeah. 
Well, you're, you've come into yourself. Sure. But you still look good. <laughs> That's, <laughs> That's so funny. You can still rock a bathing suit. I mean, I money. just... Yeah, because yeah, I, I went to buy plots. This is in my show. Plots? Pl- cemetery plots. Oh, plot, like a... Cent- a yeah. Plots. Here in L.A.? Here in L.A. And um, only because my friend's daughter is working at the only Jewish cemetery on the west side, and she said, you have to go, Jess is selling plots. And I went, okay, <laughs> Jess is selling plots. Oh, my gosh. So... Discount plots only this weekend. Yes. <laughs> and adorable, like, surfer girl, Jess. And I went with a friend. I called. I said, what are you doing Thursday? Nothing. You're coming with me. We're buying plots. Anyway, we go to the cemetery. This reminds me of a bathing suit. And the, they show us the first section, and it's the water. Sec- they have waterfalls and yeah. ponds. Mm. And, and it was a fortune. It was so well, expensive. Also, why would you want your family to come visit you there, they wouldn't stay because they'd have to pee. Oh, I didn't even think of wow. that. What I thought Good of point. was... I immediately have to pee when I hear water. That's I fine. am not getting in a bathing suit anymore. <laughs> I am not going to be where there are water features. That's funny. Anyway, it was a whole big thing, and we finally settled on a, on a place, and she said the magic words, we're having a sale. I swear to God, we're having wow. a sale. I was like, sign me up. Wow. Do you so go back funny. to New York a lot? Uh, we try and go back once a year. Mm. I'd like to go back more. Actually, our new bucket list is to be there, to get an apartment and be there like... In the fall. Cool. In the fall and the spring. Yeah, yeah that's those great. Those are the times to be in New York. Mm-hmm. Everything else, bye. Otherwise. Yeah, yeah, right. No, thanks. Well, Judy, thank you so this much for being on, so lovely. on our show. Thank you. We cannot wait to see your one-woman show. Yes, oh, I'm very excited. We will promote will. it as loud as we possibly oh, can. Oh, you're so sweet. Thank you. Of course. And also, um, my book club is reading your book, so maybe you can make an appearance. Get out. Are yeah. you serious? Yeah. Oh, my God. I'm so flattered. <laughs> I would absolutely make an appearance. It's very fun. We dress up as characters in the book. So, But you're all reading one book? We're, re- we're reading two books, actually. We're reading, I'll show you that one, but we're reading your book No, as but well. I mean, how do you all read the same book? Because you gave my whole book club your book at, oh, all at those the show. people are yeah. in your book club. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, just, who is it? Leah. Leah, Leah, and David. <laughs> it was so funny because... <laughs> all the people that like ran up to you for a book are my book club. Well, one of the young man who was <laughs> so sweet, and he said, I don't have any money. Can I send you the money? I said, no, no, just take it. And then I, then she was staying there. I said, well, you you can have it too. And then I'm like, Give me. and then Howard said to me, you know, they're not cars. <laughs> oh Howard. Oh I Howard. Know. You know Howard. Love the dedication to Howard. Oh, the best. Yeah, that was a great dedication. Yeah. All right. Thank you, Judy. Thank, thank you. you. You're so welcome.